I have a word for you today. Did y'all come here for a word? You know, if, if something just resonates with you, you got to get loud. If you say, I, I like a quiet church, this is probably not the church for you. I'm just, just throwing that out there because we like to get loud about God's word and excited about God's word. You know, there is a, it's a spiritual thing to verbally agree. You hear that word amen. It means so be it, right? Amen. That's for me. And when you speak that in faith, that word actually takes root in your life. Because the Bible says that the word of God is like seeds, right? And it falls on our hearts. So either it's going to fall on stony ground and hard ground, or it's going to fall on good ground. If you want good ground, then you have to believe and receive it, right? Awesome. Let's look at John 8, 1 through 11. John 8, 1 through 11. It says this. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat, and sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Isn't Jesus good? He's merciful. He's good. We see the heart of Jesus in this story. But really what we also see in this story is how Jesus really diffused controversy. We see a very controversial issue right here, and we see how Jesus just kind of dismantled this controversy and brought peace to a situation. How many of you know that the enemy likes to stir up controversy? But God, he's the prince of peace, right? And as the people of God, we should understand and know how to deal with controversy. Because the Bible says that we're going to be faced with controversy. The Bible says that offense will come. Not it might come. It's going to come. And we have to learn how to deal with controversial issues. If you say, well, I don't want any controversy in my life ever, then you probably shouldn't have be became a Christian. <laughs> because really, controversy, what you're doing for God, is a contradiction to darkness. 
right? It is a, it is a thing that, that goes against the grain. It goes against the world. And Jesus even said, hey, listen up. They hated me. You're following me. They might hate you, right? And we have to be healthy Christians to be able to diffuse controversy and to stand. Am I right about it? I want to um, speak to you about the five S's for social controversy. The five S's for social controversy. If you can, pr- can you pray with me? And can you pray for me? How many of you believe that God can speak through worship, speak through preaching, and begin to uh, turn the hearts of people? How many of you want to get closer to God and for God to speak to you? I didn't come to church just to have a good, feel-good message. I came to hear God and spend time with God. Can we ask that God will touch our hearts today? Can we do that? Lord, we pray that your word will just resonate with us and change us. Lord, we pray that right now that you cause us to focus in on what you have for our lives. Lord, we refuse right now. We refuse um, any kind of distraction, and we pray that you will begin to give us the grace to receive your word so that it will ultimately change us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Jesus gave us a great, um, a great illustration and great example over and over again on how to diffuse controversy and how to keep your peace during controversy. Because, see, the enemy does not want you to be peaceful. He wants you to be full of anxiety. He wants you to get upset because he wants you to be emotional and really get swayed by the winds so that you can get out of your purpose. That's the enemy's objective. The enemy loves to stir things up. Have you ever noticed that? The enemy loves to stir things up, especially when he knows that a breakthrough is right around the corner. The enemy loves to stir things up. When, if you've been experiencing controversy or things stirred up in your life, you have to know that you are right on the uh, corner or right there when it comes to a breakthrough in your life. How many of you know that God wants us to just keep on pressing through? Because, listen, we see all through Scripture, especially when the enemy was trying to destroy uh, the children of God, or even uh, the babies and, and different, um, you know, Herod and these different leaders tried to stop a move of God. How did he do it? He did it through controversy. He did it through opposition. But how many of you know that we have over, he has overcome the world and he lives on the inside of us? And so let me ask you today, do you really feel peace in your heart? Do you feel joy in your heart? Because the enemy wants to begin to control the level of joy that's in your life. If you are a Christian, you have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God is peace, joy, and righteousness. Peace, joy, and righteousness. Paul 
is, in, if I give you the context, he's saying, hey, it's not about all the things you're doing, not doing. It's, it, you, you're, you're focusing on the, the, the little things that's tripping you up. This is what I want you to get out of my kingdom. Peace, joy, and righteousness. That word righteousness is our right standing with God. Do you feel right with God? If you're a Christian, you should. Do you feel peace? As a Christian, you should. And if you don't, the enemy is trying, probably trying to set things up in your life to steal you, steal from you your purpose and your destiny. How many of you are saying today, I'm refusing to let the enemy steal my peace? I'm refusing to let the enemy steal my joy. I'm going to be, listen, you need to be like that woman dancing on the screen earlier. You need to be free. You need to be happy. You, you should be the happiest people on the planet because your king gave his life for you so that you can have freedom. Come on. Although there are trials, although there are situations in your life, you cannot let those things steal your joy. You have to focus on the big picture, and the big picture is you have eternal life, and you have the Spirit of God in you, working in you, finishing the work that he started in you. You know, the beautiful thing about Jesus, he says he puts us on paths of righteousness for his namesake. Isn't that awesome? God's going to see to it that you get on the right path. God's going to see to it that you go in the right direction because we're not following our emotions and we're not following the opinions of the world. We're following Jesus, and he's going to begin to work in us. Amen? I want to give you five S's today for social conflict or controversy because we're all going to face it. I don't know why, but when I first got saved, um, when I first got saved, there was always issues, right? There was always, I didn't think I had any issues till I got saved. And then I got saved and was like, man, I got some issues. And God started dealing with me uh, with major issues in my life. But something that I noticed, that when you give your life to God, not everybody's applauding. Not everybody is, is happy about it. When you give your life to God, it really upsets the enemy, and uh, I remember when I first got saved, you know, I had a lot of criticism because people criticize things they don't understand. Am I right about it? When God moves and somebody's walking one way and then the next day they're totally different, they don't understand that. And so they can call you all kinds of names. They can say, oh, that's a weird thing over there. You go over there, that's a weird thing. You know, when I got saved, I just thought people would be happy. Like, oh, he found God, that's good. He's, giving, he's going in the right direction, but the enemy gets stirred up when you begin to go in the right direction. And the secret is to not let the voices of the enemy get you down or try to oppress you. The secret is to listen to God and focus on what he has for you so that you can really fulfill your purpose, right? And so, I, I, you know, I didn't understand why people had a problem with that. And I, I've seen controversy after controversy, and I believe that God sometimes allows some controversy to teach us a lesson. You know, he did that with the disciples in the boat during a storm. He allowed the storm to come. He allowed it to come, and they were freaking out. And he was like, hey, hello, I'm Jesus. I'm God in the flesh. Why are you freaking out? And he said, you of little faith. He said, you of little faith. He was he was speaking 
to their faith. If you don't have faith or peace, it's an indicator that you're lacking faith. If you don't have peace, it's an indicator that you're lacking faith. And sometimes God will allow things to happen. You know, it's amazing. God can do all kinds of huge things in your life, and one thing messes up, and that's the only thing you focus on. God can be working in your life, doing all kinds of things. God's answering prayers that you've been praying for for years. God's beginning to give you the promotion that you wanted and the job and and all that. But one little thing begins to mess up, and you think it's the end of the world. We start to freak out. I think if we really wrote down all the things that God has done in our life, we would have the perspective of how we should really be behaving because we serve a good God. And if you have been serving him long enough, you will recognize that he is faithful. If he's faithful, then why are you pouting? If he's faithful, then why are you down? Okay, something might have messed up in your life, but those that serve God, God is your redeemer. He's able to turn it around. He's able to work all things out together for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. You can't lose with that mindset. You can't lose with, okay, this might be going wrong in my life, but God is a redeemer, and when I'm in a situation that goes wrong, God restores it because he is the ultimate restorer of your life. Have you let situations destroy your peace? Have you let circumstances destroy your joy? You know, the enemy, he's a thief and he's a liar. Don't get into his lies and don't fall for his traps. How many of you know that we have to stay vigilant to see what God is doing? A lot of times in Scripture, it looked like things were at a dead end, but it was only a setup for God to bring the people of God into victory. Look at the Red Sea. You're at the Red Sea. They're saying, God, why'd you bring me here? We should have still been in Egypt. Some of you might feel like that today. Like it seemed like things were better when I wasn't serving God. Things are messing up. And God's saying, hey, you got to get out of that spot. Like he told Moses, he said, Put, take up your rod and move forward. What happened? A miracle happened. The Red Sea split open. How many of you know when you move forward with the word of God, God begins to divide things in your life. That seems like a dead end. He begins to make a way where there is no way. He begins to divide things out of your life. He begins to separate things in your life. He makes your way straight so that you can cross over in the victory. How many of you want to cross over in the victory today? Come on, five, five S's for social controversy. Are you dealing, see, in this time right now, there is a major social controversy with our president, our new president. There are, man, there are people that are mad. So whether you voted for uh, Trump or not, uh, you know, the, the thing is that, that there are people that are mad and they have lost their peace and some people, even that voted for Trump, they were excited for five minutes until they saw all the mad people. You know what I mean? Uh, how many of you know that people and situations should never change your joy? How many of you know that we need to learn to rejoice? That's what that word means, rejoice. Go back to that joy that you once had. How many of you want to go back to that joy that you once had? You remember when you gave your life to God? 
And, man, it just seemed like nothing in the world. It's just you felt God's presence. You heard God's voice. What can be even better than that? I believe what God wants to speak to you today, some of you, you got to get your joy back. you got to rejoice. Listen, we were born to win people into the kingdom of God. You can't do that by walking around being miserable. <laughs> How many of you know that people want the goodness, the God inside of you, and you got to let the God inside of you shine. How many of you want that? Five, five S's. The first five, the first S is stand boldly. Stand boldly. Abraham Lincoln said this, be sure to put your feet in the right place and stand firm. How many of you know as the people of God, we should stand for what is right? Listen, we're not standing for what is popular. We are standing for what is right. And listen, a lot of people live their lives, and this is the truth, they live their lives to please everybody and to be liked by everybody. If you stand for something, you're not going to be liked by everybody. If you stand for the right thing, you're not going to be liked by everybody. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 6, he says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. It says, woe to you. Be on alert if you are a Christian and you are standing. It says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. What is, what is the Bible saying? It's saying, hey, you really need to watch out when you are everybody's just loving you. Because chances are you're being a people pleaser instead of a God pleaser. Because if you're a God pleaser, you might ruffle some feathers. If you stand for what is right, I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm talking about standing in love, standing for righteousness. The last time you ruffled some feathers was probably the last time you were standing for something. And a lot of times we try to live our lives pleasing people. We have certain jobs because we think that uh, your parents want you to have certain jobs. You drive a certain kind of car because you think people want you to drive a certain car. You have, you, ha you have dictated your life around pleasing people instead of pleasing God. We were born with this thing that wants acceptance. But if we are not just feeding on the acceptance of God, instead feeding on the acceptance of people, we'll begin to step out of our purpose. Because, listen, the enemy wants to stir up things in your life and begin to cause you to just stay away from any controversy. I don't think many people like controversy. Many people don't like controversy. But there's something about when you're standing for the right thing. Listen, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. you got to stand for something. Don't just be quiet and just like, well, you know, I don't want to step on any toe. No, in love. See, Jesus stepped into a situation in love with this woman that was caught in adultery, and he stood boldly. He stood boldly. He didn't say, you know what, well, that's just between you guys. You know, I don't know. Y'all kind of just, you know, he said, what, what do you think? You know, people are asking today, what do you think? What do you feel? And how many of you know that we don't need to think and feel our own way through life as Christians? We put on the mind of Christ, and we begin to think what the Word of God says. We begin to stand for what the Word of God says. Have you been a person that has stood? I love 
John 5, 41, it's Jesus' thought on the subject. He says this, your approval means nothing to me. Your approval means nothing to me. You know, it is a thing when you are focusing on God and having his approval, you don't need the approval of anybody else. When the father, when your father, see some of you maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your father or your mother or your friends. Maybe you were befriended. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe you were, I don't know what your situation is or what you went through, but God wants you to feel so accepted by him that you're not working for the acceptance of other people. God doesn't even want you to work for, see, this, this is the thing. We put so much pressure on ourselves and so much pressure on other people. And you will learn that if you're trusting in people for your happiness, you're going to be deflated very quickly. If you're relying on people to make you happy and make you full and make you feel accepted, it's only a matter of time they're going to let you down because people are people. People are people. That's why we have to have the acceptance of God. You will not stand boldly as a Christian unless you have found his acceptance. Let's look at Matthew 5, 11 through 12. It says, God blesses you when people mock you. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. Wait, okay, so what did we sign up for? <laughs> I mean, the Bible says, Jesus said, hey, God blesses if people mock you. You know what? Well, I used to get so upset when I tried to tell people about Jesus and I got mocked until I realized that was another, that was another charge for me, another credit for me in heaven. That Jesus sought every time somebody lies about you. If you're serving God, they're going to lie about you. They're going to mock you. People are going to talk about you. But how many of you know that you cannot be swayed by that? This was, this, this, I'm still learning this. But I, God was making sure that I learned it when I first got saved. That they're going to talk about you. And you can't let that uh, cause you to make detours in life. Come on. God says that he has overcome the world. We need to stand boldly because we feel accepted by him. He says God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. This is why you don't need to believe everything you hear. Because the enemy is one that stirs up things and creates lies. He is known for the accuser of the brethren. He's an expert. He talked one-third of the angels to leave out of the presence of God, you got to be a pretty good talker. I mean, the enemy, he can, he can sell ice to an Eskimo, right? He, he knows how to talk. He knows how to work your emotions. And he's a lobbyist, and he's good at it. And, but we cannot listen to the lies of the enemy. That's why when you begin to hear a lie about somebody else, don't jump on their train. Don't jump on that train. That's what the people did when they said, crucify him. That's what people did when they said crucify Jesus. These were people that Jesus healed and loved. But what did the enemy do? He stirred things up. He stirred things up. You know what I love about this church? Can I just be candid with you today? You know what I love about this church? This church doesn't see black, white, yellow, anything. This church sees people, and we all bleed red, and we all have fellowship. You know what the enemy would try to do? He would try to try to get us to be racially divided and all of that and stir things up and mess with emotions. That's the enemy. There are people that were upset with you for no reason this week. 
people that were upset with each other in the church for no reason this week. Because the enemy divides, but God brings unity. And God wants to unify the body of Christ and let it shine and be an example for humanity. Come on, they might be shouting and screaming all kinds of stuff, but we're going to exemplify the right thing in the house of God, that we come together and we stay united, that we're saying that if you need Jesus and I need Jesus, we're going to hook up and do this thing called life together, and we're going to begin to do great things together because of who he is, because he's a unifier. He doesn't see black, white, color. He doesn't see that. He sees his children. And come on, if we are the children of God, we have to come together and begin to be the opposite, the reciprocal of the world. Come on, you got to resist. Don't conform like the world. Come on, we got to be transformed. If you got emotional today, you need to step back and say, I got to get some peace. I need to stand for something. Don't get emotional. Don't get emotional, which brings me to my second point. Stay peaceful. You got to stay peaceful. You are either a thermostat or a thermometer, right? What, what, what does a thermostat do? A thermostat changes the temperature. A thermometer just takes it. Are you just feeling the wave of everything else around you? Are you saying, I'm setting the t- temperature as the people of God? You know what's aggravating around here? we got so many thermometers everywhere and, and so many, so many uh, thermostats everywhere in this building. And so the problem is that they all take batteries. And so they'll go out, and so you'll see what the temperature is, but you can't do anything to change it. You know, and it's frustrating because we have to keep batteries around here all the time because we can see what the climate is, but you don't have any energy to change it. How many of you know that God wants you to begin to have the energy to change things in the climate by his presence? If you're not peaceful, it means that you got to get in the presence. Come on. <laughs> you know, uh, Mark and Karen actually... Uh, uh, their their house, part of their house almost caught on fire last night. They had like five fire trucks out there and everything else. And right when I heard that story, I thought, man, I, I hope they, you know, whenever I hear fire, I always think stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> you got to stop, you got to drop, and you got to roll. A lot of times, you know, when you go through fire and you go through circumstances and things are getting riled up, you got to stop for a second. Don't get all emotional. Stop for a second. You got to drop it. You got to pray and then just roll with it. To be caught up into the emotions of the world is not what we're called to do. We're called to set the temperature, to set the climate, not to get emotionally aroused with things that are happening. Amen? Listen, the Bible says this, Philippians 4, 6, we'll do the New King James Version. Be anxious for, man, I don't know. Maybe we should, like, look at that word, study the Greek of that word. Maybe we should really, I'm pretty sure the word nothing means nothing. What do you have anxiety about today? Is it finances? Go in the presence of God. That's where you get your provision. Is it your family? Get in the presence of God and get some peace. Do you feel peace? Do you feel peace or you feel anxious? If you feel anxious, it means that you're outside of the kingdom and you're entering into the flesh. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. How, many, how, how would we operate today if we took a stand and say, this week, I'm going to be anxious for nothing? For nothing. Okay, your kids brought a bad grade at home. Okay, chill out. He's going to be all right. He's not stupid. He doesn't need Adderall. He just, he's all right, right? 
Chill out. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God surpasses all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds. You're either, you're either getting into peace in God's presence or anxiety from the flesh. Come on, get into peace. You know what I loved about Jesus? Look at Jesus all the time. Crowds were around him all the time. Read how many times the Bible says he slipped away. He slipped away. Jesus slipped away. I believe God sometimes, he doesn't want you to get all, all consumed with what's going on. you got to slip away and get into the presence of God. Be still and know that he is God. Be anxious for nothing and get prayer. See, you need some batteries. You need some batteries in your thermostat, right? You need some batteries in your thermostat. The only way you get the energy to change the climate is to get in prayer. Come on. As the people of God, we should not get caught up into this emotion that we see all around us, but we have peace. There's something that when we walk around people, there's a peace. There's a stillness. Don't you love that God brings you to still waters? He brings you there. Some of you, God is dragging you there. He's like, chill out. Relax. He brings us to still waters. Is this what your life seems like? See, I'm not saying that you don't have a lot of situations. But it depends on what's going on on the inside and it will ultimately affect what happens on the outside. We have to stay peaceful. Number three, we need to silence negativity. Silence negativity. Jesus, you see in this picture, he silenced the negativity. See, negativity brings depression. Have you noticed that? Negativity brings depression. It, it, it causes you to, it steals your joy. Come on, are you, how are you? Are you joyful? Are you joyful? Because if, if you're around a bunch of negativity all the time, then before you know it, you're going to start to feel down. The, the Bible says in Proverbs that a good word makes one glad and a bad word brings depression. You don't need Prozac. You need to turn off the negativity. Get away from the drama queens and kings. If there's somebody that's just a whirlwind of negativity, get away from them. Such, shut yourself out from them because negativity will bring you down. And see, uh, it's important that we understand that it is, it is when we come to a place that we begin to think of all the negative things, then it begins to steal our peace and we lose. What's the good report in your life? Are you carrying around a good report or a bad report? Things might, ten things good are happening, but you're talking about the one thing that's aggravating you. Are you talking about the one, are you the good report or the bad report? What song is playing over your life? You know, when I'm around people, it's almost like listen to music. Some people, they, you know, it's listening to happy music. Some people, it's like listening to like the blues. Some people are just angry. It's like heavy metal. You know what I mean? Some people, you know, uh, what, kind of, what kind of song comes from your life? Is it like depressing? Change your key, please. Nobody wants to be around Debbie Downer. 
Begin to say, this is what praise is. What did David say in Psalms 103? He said, because of all the things that you've done for me and all the good that you've done for me, I will praise your name. What's the good report that needs to come out your mouth? Ten things good, your family's healthy, things are strong, but your boss aggravating you. That's all you can talk about. Hey, he'll get over it. Pray for him. Pray for him. Get happy. Don't let the one thing spoil everything. Come on. I'm preaching to somebody today. Let's look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. Underline good report. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. Say meditate. Shake your neighbor and say meditate. You got to meditate on these things. Are you saying, well, I'm just being oblivious? No, you're not just being oblivious to the world. Sometimes you got to shut off your Facebook. Sometimes you got to shut off the TV. I know it's political season and all that, but if it's still in your peace, then get away from it. Stay away from negativity and begin to think on the good report and you be a person that is praiseworthy. See, God, he gives favor to those that speak praise. He gives favor to those that speak praise. That's why he said, those that praise me, they enter into my presence. There's a special favor of those that speak praise. If I can get somebody to come and play. Number four, speak wisely. Speak wisely. In controversy, don't just say the first thing that's off your off that you're thinking. Jesus didn't do that. He spoke wisely. They were trying to trap him. They said, do you think this person should die? He said, well, if, yeah, probably, but only if you've never sinned, cast the first stone. That kind of stumped them. Speak wisely. This is what the Bible says, and I think that if we do this, we'll have a lot less conflict. James 1.19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to speak. No. You must be quick to speak your opinion. No. You must be quick to cop out, you know, anything that comes to your head. No, it says quick to listen. Slow to and slow to get angry. Don't make the excuse. You keep making the excuse. You're Irish, so you can get angry. Quit it. It doesn't matter. It says, hey, begin to listen more than, you're, than you speak. Calm down. See, if people are angry, you got to understand something. People are angry. It's not the people. There's a spirit behind people. Quit getting mad at the people and understand what's going on spiritually so that you know how to pray. You're getting mad at people, and it's not even the people. It's the enemy. Quit getting mad at people. What did Jesus say? Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. Maybe somebody's talking about you, lying about you, saying things about you. You want to get mad. See, the enemy wants you to get bitter because bitterness gets you out of the plan of God. It actually ruins your inheritance in God. And God says, don't get bitter. Start to understand the spirit that's behind it. Be slow, slow to speak, quick to listen. Proverbs 26 says, don't get into foolish arguments. Listen to this. I, I want, don't get into foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. And it says, be sure to answer a foolish argument of fools or they will become wise in their own estimation. This is confusing. This says, answer a fool and you're going wrong. It says, then don't answer a fool or you're going to go wrong. 
What is he trying to tell us? Do I answer or do I not answer? It's the, he's trying to tell us this. You're not going to win with fools. Quit trying to argue with people that don't want to receive anything. Let it go. Come on. I got to prove my point. No, you don't. Nobody really cares anyway. You're not going to change them. The only thing that's going to change them is the love that you have for them. Proving your point is not going to change anything. Leave foolish people alone. The Bible says leave angry people alone. Don't be searching out for angry people. Bible's like, it, Bible says it's like, a, like yanking on a dog's ears. You ever yanked on a dog's ears? Not a good idea. He'll bite you. Leave them alone. Leave angry people alone. Leave fools alone. The Bible says don't cast pearls upon swan. That's going to tra- trample it and turn around and bite you. Don't do that. Just be like, I'm just listening. Stand when it's right to stand when you need to stand, but you have to be quiet when it's time to be quiet. Come on. How many of you know that the people of God needs to use some wisdom? What did Jesus do? He didn't get this woman all in the emotional controversy. He says, come down here. I'm going to write on the ground. Come down here. Get out of the controversy. Listen to me. Get some peace. Get some peace. Settle down a little bit. Don't listen to them. Look at me. And the fifth one is this. Show love. Show love. Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. You're not going to change anything by getting mad, but you can change somebody by loving them. And you know what we have to be? We have to be demonstrators of that love. What's going on out there should be be the reciprocal of what's going on in here. Come on. We need to show people how to love each other. The Bible says this is how people know that you're my disciple, by the way that you love each other. Is somebody going to tick you off? Yes. Somebody going to make you mad? Yes. Is somebody going to say something you don't like in church? Yes. Get over it and love them. Be patient with them. Come on. You know, I think it's funny. You have people that have laid their life down for people, counseled them all through the night, loved them, gave them groceries, tried to take care of them when they were down and out. But there's a situation where they just didn't agree with something. They're going to be mad and ruin a relationship. Really? Why don't you think about the good report and all the things they did for you and the love they did? You, one little thing was said, and you're like, oh, I know what they mean. I'm going to get I, Are you thinking about it all night and forgetting about the good report, what they did for you, the relationship that God put you in? Come on, begin to think about the good things and the good times and the good words and the good encouragement and the things, the times they were there. You know, I've learned there are some people that you just can't make them happy. I've, I've spent time with people before, and they would be like, man, I wish we would spend some time together. I'm like, we are right now. What do you think we're doing? We're hanging out. Some people want to look at the ne- negative thing so much because this is what the enemy does. How many of you know that we need to be patient with one another? Jesus looked at this woman and said, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? She says, they are none. When people look at you, do they see an accuser or someone that loves them? Are you someone that marks people? Are you someone that believes in people? Come on, be the person, the catalyst for people to be able to lift out of who people tried to mark them in being and the person that encourages them to be who God called them to be. 
Come on. We got to be encouraging. Well, I'm mad. You know what he said? All right, forgive him. He, he didn't have his coffee. You know what I mean? Forgive him. He had a bad day. You ever had a bad day? You ever, you ever made a mistake? Give some grace and you'll get it. Give some mercy and you'll get it. Be the first one to judge and you'll get that. How many of you know that we need to be people of love? People can sense love. People should walk in this room and feel like they're the most loved. doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter their economic status. It doesn't matter if they smell good or not, look good or not, or weird or not. If you walk in those doors, you should feel the love of God because there's the love of God in between each and a. Not, you know what, I'm not going to talk to them today because of the way they act. Get over it. Go to them. Say you're sorry. Say it was a miscommunication. Start to love people. Quit. Hey, how many of you know that there should not be divisions in the church? There should not be divisions that, well, that's their group over there, and they kind of talk like this, and they kind of aggravate us. Shame on you. That's not Christianity. Get over it. Get your diapers off. Get your big person pants on. And begin to forgive people and begin to love people like Jesus did. Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to exemplify true love.